This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Good evening, this is Love Sport Radio and the Brentford Fan Show. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the boys from Besotted. As always, Dave Laney Lane and Robin Hood McMichael. As I said before the show, riding through Griffin Park, I'm going to use that every time I say your name now, Robin. Thank it, you very much. <laughs> it was, of course, another narrow defeat on the road for the Bees this weekend. We're going to be discussing the game, what went wrong, but more specifically, what went wrong Again, we're going to look into what the future holds for Thomas Frank. Where does he go next with this team? We'll also round up Brentford's international contingent representing their countries over the next two weeks. And we have an update on a cracking new book coming very soon from one of Besotted's very own. Look forward to that, chaps. Rather than going into the match, as we sometimes do on this show, a quick question first. Good away trip, lads. Enjoy it. It was, it was, a, it was a, another day, once again, another day where football ruined football. Um, <laughs> what a and, great way to put it. And we, we, we did have, we had, a, we had an excellent day out. We found a few little microbreweries. We tried a few, few, local, few local brews and some tipple. Um, and then I think we kind of knew what might happen because I, I did actually turn around to one or two and said, are we sure you want to do this? And we went, of course, of course, you've got to go to the game. And of course, of course, you have got to go to the game. But, you know, that's, that's the nature of our season so far. It's literally been up and down and you can't predict what's going to happen, especially away from home. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's it's the words broken and records start to come to mind now. Unfortunately, it's um, we'll get onto it more later on. But no, the, the, it's one of those days where thankfully the the away trip, the people, uh, as Lenny said, the tipples and the the little microbreweries and the pubs we went to, sort of helps help rein the day back in again. It's always a worth. I, I love going to Forest away. Um, I think the city ground is a gorgeous gorgeous football ground to go and watch football at. Um, uh, unfortunately, unless unless Brentford are playing there in the last couple of years. But yeah, um, the, the, the 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 weekend itself was very very good fun. Um, it's where my uh, my uncle's from it's where a few very good old family friends are from as well so it's, I always see I always have a certain soft spot for Nottingham it's almost like a second home uh, outside of London so yeah always always like going there oh lovely stuff in terms of what it kind of, it's kind of akin to going on a night out you know when you're in one bar in one pub you're having a great time but you just feel like 
you owe it to yourself to move on or the people you're around well we could probably move on to the next place you go to the next place you're like we really should have stayed where we were it was so much better such a better better atmosphere but you're right in terms of and then you're not allowed back in exactly (laughs) and then you're you're like and then you you blaming the mate who said no let's go out let's go out just like you idiot what's wrong with you a usual group of friends over in nottingham in terms of fellow fans yeah exactly yeah we we had we met some really really good people uh after the game as well we went back to uh the um trent navigations a little pub right on the canal it's like a really old-fashioned kind of, uh, you know, just on one of those little bridges that goes over the Trent. Um, and we were in there for like two or three hours just, just chewing the fat about football. You know, they've had a really good start to the season, but they had their feet firmly on the ground as well. They weren't letting, they weren't getting too carried away, and um, a few of them are still waiting for their bubble to burst. But at the moment, there's a lot of things going right for them. They're, they're not setting, you know, the world on fire, as in they're not playing incredible football. Football, but they're getting the rub of the green. They're getting they're playing you know, function. I th- I'd yeah. say they're playing functionally. They're getting results uh, despite not playing well, which is arguably what you really want. Yeah, I mean, we've come away from another match where we're thinking, how the hell did we lose it? You know, we we we, and then you, once you look at the, once you sort of like pick it apart, you know, we, we didn't really necessarily deserve to get too much more out of it. But you know, they they created the one chance, and that was ultimately the three points in the bag. Well, again, I'd argue they didn't create the one chance. I'd say we created it for them, but that's something we'll get onto <laughs> further on. In terms of the city ground itself, as well, actually, before we get onto, I know it's not the Nottingham Forest fan show, but did they discuss the Martin O'Neill Sabrina Mucci changeover at all? Yeah, we did have a really good chat before the game with one of their podcasters. Um, and interestingly, the new guy is only on a one-year contract. He's only signed a one-year deal, and his brief really is to come in and sort it out. And they were saying that they're really impressed by the job he's doing. So he seems to be hungry. He's not there for wasting time. He's not there for, you know, shrug of the shoulders, let's see what happens. Got a three-year deal. I'm probably going to get sacked after <laughs> eight months and walk out with a big payday. He knows that he's only got 12 months to to work with mm. so that was that was an interesting new tactic by by Forrest we did actually you know we, we did have a few laughs with him about saying you know surely it's about time that Billy Davis came back surely <laughs> Nigel Clough's <laughs> you another go isn't yeah. he you know that got it but I mean, that, they, they the... realise that they've they've literally been they've done this merry-go-round to death, you know. So they do need to try something so else. So they're, they're building a contingency. I mean, it's it's the kind of decision that can go one way. I mean, one one way or the other. The the one-year contract is is it doesn't show a lot of faith, in my opinion. It shows it shows a very a lack of long-term thinking and long-term strategy. But as you say, given the given the managerial merry-go-round that has been Nottingham Forest in recent years, it almost makes sense to only offer uh, a one-year contract. But Billy did put it to him at the time, and he sort of said, "Well, is that better sometimes than having a situation where your manager's so so comfortable and so confident that he's really not under? You know, there's, there's no big hammer hovering over his head. Mm-hmm. That there's things, almost an incentive get, there, isn't there? Yeah. yeah so, got but yeah, we'll so, never know. But a good bunch, mm. a good bunch. Yeah, good away day kind of worked out in that classic club legend like Martin O'Neill going back not quite working out in terms of city ground itself like you said a great ground to go to I think just you feel like when you're there it's a ground that's steeped in football history don't you yeah yeah I you, mean, can, you, can, you can you can always sort of see I mean I know it's 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 modernized slightly recently um having to keep up with the times but you could you could sort of sit there and and I mean I, I wasn't I wasn't alive back then but in the sort of go back to the 70s and 80s when Forest first came to prominence and you can and you can sort of see 
that ground rocking as European champions. I mean, I don't like them to 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 hark back to previous glories and you know two-time European champions, but you could you could you get you get that vibe, not just necessarily from inside the ground, but from the approach and from the the aura of the stadium. It, it was once a real a real fortress and has been a real fortress for them this year as well. We've, yeah, I mean, our record there in recent years has been pretty excellent, isn't it? I, I know we've lost the last two visits, but they, that was they were both this year. I think yeah, we won we'd won the last three before that. So yeah, you know, I, I I did grow up in that era, and you know the names of like Gary Bertels and <laughs> uh, you know Trevor Francis and those players that were you know in Cluffy's team, just incredible nights. You know, I remember them winning against Malmo, and you know, the, Forest were the real deal back then, and it's, it, it was a long time ago though though now. So but they've still got the two stars to prove it. So Absolutely, you can't, you can't take that away on every single kit. You yeah, very yeah. very important. Just uh, we, we like you said, Ron, we're gonna come on to the game a little later but just I guess if we look at it on the whole nil nil perhaps a fair scoreline yeah I'd, I'd, I'd say, I'd, I'd say so fair, yeah, yeah I'd, 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 I'd see that was probably the right result but you know we needed to do more we didn't create enough chances you know and normally you know our XG for you know I don't want to be pelted by Brussels sprouts being thrown at the radio tonight but <laughs> you know XG is is normally a really good indicator but I mean it's all going out the window again you know it's like it's XG rebellion rather than extinction extinction rebellion well, was, I think, I think <laughs> that's, it was, that's what we're facing at the moment I did, I did look at the, at the XG earlier um, uh, of the game earlier on and it was nothing for us 0.84 and we were I think 0.57 so statistics show that neither team really created that one really golden chance that merited a goal um, but like I said we'll get on to how we conceded and why we conceded later I'd say I'd say nil nil uh, certainly at half time I think nil nil was a fair result from that first half and I think the way the pattern of the game throughout the second half if you take the goal away I think merits a nil nil draw but there's something evidently not right yeah, typical that Ben Watson, a player I think hasn't scored in like three and a half years, was the one who'd come up with the opener. But you were in your pubs after the game, or your microbreweries, I should say, <laughs> after the game, speaking to the fans from both sides about what they had to say. I'm really disappointed in that result. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not certain that actually Brentford were, were at that in the races at all at that game. There was no, you know, I don't think we had a shot on goal. Um, what Saeed was up to in the last five minutes, I have no idea. I'm really disappointed that Brentford performance. I didn't go to PNE. Um, I've only managed to watch us at Barnsley and Bristol City in the last week, but that was very disappointing. Yes, we didn't create much going forward, but we sat in there and held it at nil-nil. I think we were looking to get in the centre of Saeed, Ben Rama and uh, Makita off the pitch off, off, off the bench onto the pitch um, to the 60th minute I understand and obviously uh, we sat in there to the 58 then we concede and then we're chasing shadows after that and um, we didn't really press their goalkeeper or really create many chances which was fr- frustration as a fan so um, we come to watch football and trying to create lo- loads of chances and we didn't create many to down for and, and um, normally teams at the top get the three points having maybe from their point of view not played particularly well I think they would say they have the majority of the ball but I don't think they really tested uh, Raya other than their goal I don't remember that uh, at all so overall I think Thomas will probably be looking at it thinking how can we make more chances but still maybe um, have a defensive unit which you know on another day we might have held out for a nil-nil I don't know 
unfortunately we weren't at the races um, kept losing the ball Forrest kept on closing us down um, we just looked kind of like disjointed up front um, Watkins was struggling to get any service um, it's just a lot of loose balls I mean um, if it was a far cry from what we did against Barnsley on Sunday but um, it was a very difficult encounter but um, you know we can't complain about about the results we're not actually that bad but they just look a little bit better at everything and it just shows I mean first half wasn't too bad I thought we were in it and and, uh, without creating anything but neither side really did in the first half but second half they just had that little bit more don't know I just you can't put your finger on it we're just we're there but we're we're not quite there and just going forward we looked heavy leg today I think we needed the international break few people looked like they were carrying a few knocks that didn't help but yeah they had the command just that little bit more nous and we're just lacking it it's just not quite there it's not awful but at the moment it looks weird like we're heading into one of those seasons where it's safely mid-table and that's the worry I thought Grenfell always always a good strong unit um, I thought compared to last season we, we've come out on top today and I thought we deserved the win if I'm honest but I always fear Brentford because they're a good they're a good side every year when you're playing but I think today we just nudged it just but we had a lot of possession today uh, it's just being able to uh convert that possession into actual tangible chances because I don't think um, we did ourselves justice um, I didn't think Forrest really threatened us one flash appearance it was a good goal I'm not going to take it away from them they scored a good, good goal but I knew deep down we were going to have to dig deep to get back in the game and um, as it transpired we, 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 didn't, we didn't do enough I don't think we were strong enough I don't think we were physically enough um, whether we had the desire up front I think the up front tactics I think are not paying off um, playing Watkins as a, as a striker I don't think that's his, that's his main role um, um, we're, just, we're just missing a physical presence up front I, I, think that could help. I think that would help us out I think we did miss it today we certainly lack penetration. We've gone into the 11th game of the season scoring nine goals. And that's not good enough in anyone's book. If you look at all the championship games now, all the teams are, 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 are pressing. So the, goalie, so the goalie ends up thinking about putting it short because that's what he wants to do. But they end up kicking it long. Now, if you're going to kick it long, you need, you need players to, to win it for you. You know, hey ho. We've got the, got the future, and we know we're still playing decent football. And on days, that good football does pay off. And you know, let's let's Millwall, you know, bring on the Millwall. That's what I say. This is Love Sport and the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport with the boys from Besotted, as always, Dave Laney Lane and Robin Hood McMichael. We heard some audio there before the ads from the Nottingham Forest game. The guys in the pub speaking again. Some of the stuff I took from that, gents, that was quite interesting, I think, was that one particular person said it wasn't that bad, but they just looked better at everything. And quite crucially, he said, I cannot put my finger on what's happening at the moment, Dave. No, yeah, it's, it, that's exactly right. And, you know, basically what he was saying is we're a, an average championship team. You know, it's, we're, we're not bad, but we're just not good enough at the moment. And we, we, 
we sort of did expect that much more improvement than than you know certainly what we're seeing at the moment you know and it's true if you, you know all all the defeats have been one nil apart from the Preston defeat which was two so we're not we're not getting played off the park at all um and it, it and it is fine margins and it and it's you know it is difficult to to pin it all on on the manager necessarily or the head coach there's so many factors but you know it's true there's a growing disgruntled element equally um and this can't quite put your finger on it is is kind of making it even more frustrating if it was you know we have said that you know there was a midfield um, midfield formation problem and clearly we're still missing Neil Morpay but then when you've got um, Ollie Watkins knocking goals in you, you're kind of thinking well maybe we are going to sol- solve that give him a little bit more time so yeah I, th- I think I think the confusion the head the head scratching um, and the, you know the comments of, of, from, from the head coach kind of they do hint at no one really knows exactly how they're going to make nobody this. knows no it's and that, that's the, that's always the the sort of that's the concerning thing at the moment about this season is uh, in previous years we've been by far and away a perfect footballing side in fact you won you could arguably say we, that we've been the imperfect uh, footballing side in that we've been leaky defensively but despite being sort of you know finishing mid table consistently and being i suppose <laughs> some might consider the archetypal average championship club the sort of the go to upper, upper mid tables we've always managed to supplement that sort of the flaws if you like with really fast flowing football creativity flair players uh, good attacking prowess and lots of really really classy goals but that's missing this season which is i think what's leading to the the, the disgruntlement and obviously a lot of a lot of that sort of um fire is being aimed at the manager because that you know that's that that's their role almost they're the head coach they're the person in charge that's where a lot of the anger and the disgruntlement as you say is naturally going to go with any job is is it's going to go to the person who's in charge but that's i think the frustrating thing at the moment is that in past seasons we've been able to uh forgive conceding a few goals because we won the game three three two four two five three and scored an, an amazing bunch of goals with players like judge and hotter and hogan and ben rama banging in the goals from all sorts but that's what's missing at the moment and it's really and it's i wouldn't say it's worrying yet but it's incredibly frustrating and it's starting to, I think, really grind on a few of the uh, of the Brentford hardcore. Is that that we can't celebrate this wonderful football that we've been playing because it's just not been good enough. No, and I think obviously uh, last Wednesday night's draw at home to to Bristol City it adds to that frustration. I know we're focusing tonight on Forest, but you got I, th- I think you look at last week as the the Barnsley win, which obviously got us excited for the Wednesday night against Bristol. Mm. Bristol game we'd won we had actually Mm. won that game but you know (laughs) lapse in the last minute so we walked out there really defeated and um, deflated Uh, and then you go away to Forest and you're looking for improvements because the last two games have been slightly positive and you, you get nothing out of it so it's it, almost been a bit of a regression really sort of from from the from the, you know the open, I'm going to discount the opening 10 minutes uh, away at Barnsley it was a bit of a brain fart it was a bit of a wobble but then from that that game and then going into the Bristol City game full of cheer playing really really, really well for 80 minutes and then the change in formation the lapse of concentration that then has seemed to have had a knock on effect to the Nottingham Forest game and it's just it, it's been a it's been a regression of performance and almost satisfaction of watching the team play over the last three games. Especially, you know, we sat here after the Derby win, beat Derby 3-0, went into the last international break and we were really buzzing. We've come back and we've, we've we sat here and we sat on the podcast and we said, right, we've got five fixtures. What's what's our expectations for these next five? And some, some of us were saying 10 points, some of us were saying 11, no one was saying the full 15, mm. but we've got five. 
so you know if even if you forgive or kind of park the the opening sort of five or six weeks of the season you kind of gone right okay we've got that out of the way we've got we've got thing we've got the wheels well oiled now three goals looking good and we've stumbled and spluttered through the next phase of fixtures so you know i I think it's right that we we should be focusing on you know what what we expect and what we should be not demanding obviously but you know it's 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 where we should be at at this stage of the season um we can't say you know they're a bunch of strangers still getting to know each other there must be some sort of there must be some sort of like cohesion there so uh, yeah so the next phase i would say is is getting is getting the pressure starting to grow i would say on not necessarily on his job but we will i don't i don't know how you know how the uh you know the powers that be see changing their manager i don't think they're i've got any appetite for that whatsoever but you know it's where it's where we it's where we see this season progressing it, we can't just let it die out before christmas no absolutely not and you talk about pressure perhaps growing on his job one thing there certainly is is discussion he gave his post-match analysis and we've got it right now as i see performances that are very very solid i think you see um, a team that is so much more solid that's so much more structured they are um, still going away from home and want to um, to dominate uh, from the first minute um, and i think we lost what three games one nil uh, away from home uh, of course, we turn them into draws or, or wins. Uh, but if you look at the performances, I think for me there's only been one I've not been satisfied with. Uh, that's Preston. Then the rest I've been, you know, satisfied. You always want more, of course. Um, but uh, on a day where it's the third game in, in seven in seven days, um, playing away against them. Uh, fine side with confidence um, then you just need to play nil-nil this was a nil-nil game I think all the sword with the chances or no chances in both ends was nil-nil and it could potentially be a set piece that decided the game and um, in the other end I'm just say our deliveries was not good enough uh, we need to, to tip the, the small margins um, in the games if, if we're going up 1-0 today they will struggle because with the pace we have front but when it didn't go that way then, then, we, then we struggle a little bit. I think defensively we are where we should be. We are by far better than last year. So it is, of course, the offensive part, um, and that that's um, a part of. I think we've been talking about relations. I think they were actually better today, also against Bristol, also against Barnsley. I think that's closer. Today, I think simply we just lack that. Um, sharpness, uh, quality, freshness from our offensive players. Sharpness, quality and freshness. The last few words I picked up from that chat from Thomas Frank, who gave his analysis after that defeat to Nottingham Forest. Two satisfied gents with the performance. I'm very impressed with the power drill sound effects in the background as well there. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yeah. It's like someone to turn on a hoover. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, probably sweeping up at the back like Camo Mokotro should have been doing because um, that's, that's one thing that I felt the first thing that I noticed when the teams were announced on the day was um, uh, Ben Rama and Mokotro dropped to the bench uh, and those are two players that can really grab hold of a game and really, really take it by the scruff of the neck and, and change it almost. Uh, admittedly, when they came on, they didn't, they didn't do that um, and maybe that does indicate that Frank was a little bit satisfied to just sort of play for a nil-nil draw and what th- this is the thing that concerns me is he said in, the, I think he said in that interview, he's been uh, happy with every performance apart from Preston. Now I, was, I think he's no sorry satisfied with every performance since uh, apart from apart from Preston. Now that worries me. I, I wouldn't be satisfied with losing. 
and maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too much into that, but I do I do think that his his general demeanour and language seems to be oh it's fine you know we've lost one nil, uh, but the performance was good, and I would like to just see a little bit more. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. A little bit more bluntness from him in terms of how the performance actually went, because if he's satisfied with that performance away at Nottingham Forest. I'm, I'm, I've got a bit of a problem. Yeah, it, it did come across as too understanding. Um, mm. If I'm honest with you, uh, you know, I know, I know Brentford fans that have been travelling away, especially the last couple of years, have, have, have really struggled because our away record has been woeful. And been abysmal, yeah. Although we've got a couple of you know wins under our belts this this season. Um, this, you know, we we only had two in, during the whole of last season, plus you know a game against Bolton that was gifted to us. So, you know, on games that we've actually played, we've we've achieved as much so far this season as we did during the whole of last. Mm. But that doesn't mask the fact that our our performances away from Griffin Park have been so below par and very 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 disappointing it's our home record that's been our saviour which you know yeah it's it's great that you can turn up at Griffin Park and be confident you're probably going to see a a win it won't be there next year but you can't you you can't rely on this and you know it it, it isn't good enough I'd say to to be satisfied with going away and you know so what we've had three games in a week you know Liverpool I know we're not we're not comparing ourselves with Liverpool but the standards are equally well the standards are sky high there you know Klopp he's a an understanding caring arm round the player kind of manager too but I don't think he would be satisfied with with you know coming away from a game Not at all. although they've tried a bit and they've played some good football the standards needs to be a lot higher mm. he did mention the attack and I think that's going to be a key topic especially of this show and moving forward with Brentford unless things change we've had a message in a whatsapp message from Malky B in Hounslow who's just said an observation on Ollie Watkins he scores goals but playing up top affects the general potency of the team Watkins has more as a wide, a wide player we need a proper striker and Ollie back wide the fact we haven't got a natural striker is not Frank's fault no that is 100% correct it, it isn't his fault and it would be it, it would be unfair to and we did say earlier it's you know it's unfair to, to pin it all on, on Thomas Frank he he, obviously he's bought into the system and he's happy to be to be the head coach in a club um, that's set up the way Brentford Football Club is uh, but you know we are we are we we are a selling club we we've become used to that it, again it, that adds to the frustration we've spent big to to re, you know to replace the players that we've lost and the glaring admission Malky was absolutely right is is the fact that we didn't sign um, a centre forward uh, a like for well, a, as like for like as you could have got for more an out and out strike yeah, yeah I mean we've we've got Corellis who's who's come in since then but he he wasn't fit he was, he came in injured he came on. Um, uh, he came on for the last few minutes on on Saturday. Didn't really get any chances. We haven't seen a huge amount of him yet. He's he's a he's a you know a chunk of a guy. I'm sure he's got the physicality to do well at this level. Um, so yeah, 
he's absolutely spot on you know we, we are missing um, Watkins coming in from the wing um, so see I, 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 I don't think that Malpe is missing is our, is our biggest problem we've had strikers um, throughout all the years we've had Hogan we've had Vibe we've had Neil Malpe they've all scored a load of goals and moved on we've always managed to replace them the problem for me seems to be that is the supply line to that striker and without and I hate, I hate to mention him um, because you know he's doing really really well at West Brom and really all credit to him uh, but Sawyers is a glaring omission from the team at the moment. He had that ability to not necessarily because any 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 player can play a good pass through midfield, but he had that ability to find the pass that no one else would. So you know, thread th- you know thread through the eye of the needle, really sort of cut a defence in two with one single pass. Admittedly, um, he he would have Neil Malpay up there to do it. That's 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 another story. But I do think that Watkins would be benefiting up front more if he had a player like Sawyers in 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 behind him, basically threading the ball through now if you look at the players that um, we see Lenny you said that we're a selling club if you look at the players that are actually out on loan from Brentford yeah. Marcus Force is banging the goals in left right and centre every week admittedly at a lower level but you have to sort of question why we let him go out on loan Emiliano Marcondes scored a goal for FC Michelin uh, this weekend as this weekend just gone as well he would arguably I think he just didn't fit in the three five two that we were playing um or th- th- sort of the three four three that we were playing at sort of so far this season before he switched to four three three he'd suit the system now quite well because he'd have a bit more space to find the gaps that Sawyers used to find if that makes sense and then we've also got Halil Dervishoglu who maybe we sh- I don't know I don't know what the process of that was entirely but maybe we should have pushed to get him in a bit bit sooner but it does seem to me that if if we're going to start sort of looking at analyzing the lack of attacking prowess that we have Thomas Frank isn't the person to go to for that yeah this the Dervis Soglu uh, transfer is, is is obviously something we probably never get to the quite the bottom of why he didn't arrive before the transfer window shut I know he's going to come here in January but it's a very similar situation to Marcondes hmm. you know before Marcondes uh, actually could start playing for Brentford he was we signed him and he was knocking him in for fun in in in, in Sweden yeah. in Denmark hmm. and then Dervis Soglu is doing the same at the moment and well he, hopefully he's got some goals in him when he arrives that's the thing he's not years old and, and this is now all everything that's happening at Brentford for, at Brentford now is all adding to the pressure on Halil Dervishoglu for when he arrives because he's going to be expected to come in and perform at that same level and as we saw with Marcondes sometimes it takes a bit of time to adjust so if he turns up and he's not banging in uh, you know, and he doesn't bang in 10-15 goals by the time we hit uh, May 2020 I hope I certainly hope that that doesn't affect his confidence and uh, Brentford fans faith in him Yeah and obviously we, we're going to try and keep things in perspective here as well but you know what we're looking for is kind of those missing ingredients those those missing percentage points that are stopping it being not perfect but more perfect than it is at the moment Mm. and to have to have had a natural replacement for more pay would have would have helped us i'm sure what what, you know ollie watkins has been scoring a lot of goals you know fair play to the guy um he's, he's done brilliantly um but i i think you know dervis oglu is is needed yesterday Save us, Dervis. <laughs> Very interesting to see what happens when he comes in. And we do do the AFC Wimbledon Fan Show on this on this station as well. That was yesterday. I have to tell you, they are buzzing about Marcus Force. They fully believe right, he's so. going to get 20 goals this season. Easily. Yeah, he didn't, he's playing playing with his heart in his sleeve here as well. He got sent off, didn't he, a couple of weeks back. Um, he's, really, he's really going for it. it. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of the deal. Is there a potential callback in January? Could that potentially happen with Marcus Force? I'm not so sure. No. I, don't, I don't know. Well, we're going to discuss more about Thomas Frank after this because there is plenty to talk about on the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. <laughs> 
This is the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the boys from Besotted, Dave Laney Lane and Robin Hood McMichael. And it's that time. It is that time, ladies and gentlemen, for the newly named segment of Robin's Roundup. Welcome to Robin's Roundup. No, we've had a few... Um, this should be a weekly thing, actually. Um, we've had a, um, a few sort of um, new messages just come through um, regarding the Thomas Frank situation. Now, it's really interesting. This is really a sort of... You're either, you're either behind him or you're not. It's, it there's, does seem to be a bit but that, bit that sort of distinction. But there are a couple of other people that are a bit sort of more on the fence. So we've got a message from Tony here. It says, I'm personally conflicted. It's not his fault Malpay was sold and it's not and has not been adequately replaced. Ditto Sawyer's so far, although Norgard potentially has filled that gap. Uh, we are not uh, playing horrifically and defence is visibly improved. I'm not panicking yet, but Thomas Frank has work to do and there is no doubt the clock is ticking. Uh, Matt says Thomas Frank has had us playing wonderful football back uh, end of last season. He's not become a completely negative coach. Uh, it's totally down to how our club operates at the moment. Dean Smith had the same problems. We never have a continuous settled squad. We lose top players every season. To have to adjust to that is, um, is tough. Give him some time. I'm sure it will come good. Uh, we've had a message from Jerry. It's a very, very good point here in terms of, again, looking more at our, our transfer structure. We have sold uh, five centre-halves, five central midfielders, a goalkeeper and a 28-goal striker in just over a year. Most replaced but the whole spine of a team is gone I think that gives Thomas Frank a bit more time uh, the defect directors of football are to blame in my opinion uh, and then from uh, another Matt uh, it says it's difficult for years we've wanted stronger defence and to grind out results who on here wouldn't have taken goals against after our first 11 games as 9 he's done a decent job of getting it right but be careful what you wish for sometimes maybe if we actually ground out a perfectly achievable extra 4 or 5 points we'd actually be quite happy it feels like to me the foundations are in place but we've forgotten how to release the shackles again Again, he agrees with Jerry's point um, about there being a big turnover in the squad and takes all that take all that into account and he does deserve more time but by God it's dull at the moment uh, and then uh, Dave XG Anderson uh, hope you hope you well Dave has said uh, he thinks that Frank is a negative uh, pragmatic coach and the byproduct of that is that we're sort of undercooked going forwards uh, this side should be absolutely potty for a high tempo 4-3-3 he needs credit for how much stronger we are defensively but that doesn't excuse him from other mistakes with this squad we spent almost a quarter of the season playing the wrong system and now we'll have to wait for another quarter for them to figure out how to use this one we look rigid with no depth in defence between defence and midfield and then between forward line and midfield we need much much more from everybody Raya, Raya and Pontus have been our best players uh, Jim Levac uh, agrees with Matt Allard says he get, um, absolutely spot on with analysis of our current situation no need to panic just yet Thomas Frank deserves more time uh, and John makes a very good point that um, the Bristol City formation change which we talked about uh, where he switched from the 4-3-3 to the to back to his 3-4-3 it's similar to that sort of that Rosler shoring up and that Warburton going for it you might end up in a similar place but that sticking with your guns and going going out to play football um, opens up the throttle and then the other one just sort of sucks the joy out of it a little bit. The cons- and now I've, re- I've read out a lot of, qu- a lot of uh, messages there in quite a quick succession, but none of those seem to directly blame Thomas Frank for the for the dem- demise in, in our form and in our performances and in our results. I think that Thomas Frank seems to be a factor and the, I think the, the problem seems to lie more in the way we've recruited and the way we've sold. Well, yeah, as, you know, as I said earlier, it, it really is hard to, to, you know, go up to him 
point him in the chest and say it's your fault because you know yes he has made mistakes I'd, I'd agree that the substitutions against Bristol City um, it confused everyone in the stadium let alone mm. the players on the pitch and you know whether whether it was well, I, it must have contributed to the confusion and that you know the, the fact that it was an unmarked header and you know mm. we've equalised right at the death the other points I've picked out from that um, in 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 his defence, it is the defence because <laughs> you know we we're looking really solid at the back. Mm. Uh, the, the 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 effort that um, Pontus Janssen is 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 putting into his challenge. His challenge. He made a challenge against Nottingham Forest on Saturday. It was it it was. It was a certain goal, and he just managed to get there in time, timed it perfectly. It was a monstrous challenge from Janssen. It's exactly what we wanted in, mm. in defence, but again, going back, it's just like the, the the frustration is that we thought we weren't just going to be building from the back and trying to, you know, bit by bit work our way forward. We thought we were a, a more of a complete team than that. And the other point I'd say, you know, that really jumped out to me was if we did have four or five more points, how differently would we all be feeling right now? And, and I have to say, we'd be feeling a lot better. You know, if one of those defeats was a was a, was a a draw and then one of those draws was a win, I think we would be uh, way more buzzy about where we're at at the moment. No, it's, it's, it's fine margins. It's very fine margins. But for me, what, what's costing us those points are the small things like... Um, and this is quite a specific thing that I rant about and shout every time we have a corner, clear the first man. We can't do it. I can't remember that. I genuinely can't remember the last time we had a, a game where all of our corners went right into the mixer or right into the back post, penalty spot, disrupted the keeper. Barely any of our corners seem to beat the first man. When you look back to last year, side Ben Rama's corners were undefendable sometimes. Mm. They, they would just be... They'd be zipped in zipped and they right they, in, they yeah. go in at perfect head height for players like Barbe and Jean Vier to get their head on it. And nowadays, Jensen, Ben Rama, no matter who, they, 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 and it's free kicks and it's any delivery from the wide. It's so it's so lacklustre and and almost looping. It just loops towards the near post. Defender there clears it with his head or with his uh, with a you know with a big kick. And I just think it's a basic thing. It's not. A, uh, I've you know I've played eleven side football. Uh, I'm not very good, and I can clear the first man from a corner. And I just I just wonder why you're why right, that has you're been. Not very good. No, no, no. Um, yeah, it clears the first man, clears the box, clears the ground, clears the city. Um, but I just think basic things like that, and th- and they haven't been fixed all season. And I just wonder why that hasn't become a focal point. Because if we were more productive in corners, it's got to the stage now where a cor- we get we get a corner kick and everyone's like, "Come on, bees!" And I'm just sort of like, "Yep, <sighs> better get Rico Henry ready on the halfway line for when the clearance goes out." And that's that's and admittedly that's quite a specific. Uh, pessimistic viewpoint to have but it's it's something that surely needs to be addressed well in terms of being pessimistic and flipping that on its head it's nearly a year now in charge for Thomas Frank so when we look at his reign so far what can we look at that's been positive that he's done well Dave the positive um, if you look at the horrendous start that he, he had he he did well he was he he really did study what was wrong uh, and he did turn it around. He's done that once before. He's in a similar situation. It's not as bad as it was during that run, but there's a lot that needs fixing at the moment. As you say, mm. not huge, huge fixes. It's not. We're not talking sort of engine out rebuilds here, mm. but there is a lot of body work that needs sort of like some spraying. It's It's... As we've gone through that list, there it's quite clear that there's there's more than just one or two little things that need sorting out. And to be a quarter quarter of the way through the season and have have quite so much um, 
uncertainty and insecurity. Um, you know, we, he's changed formation, but he changed it back again. So I, I don't think he's wedded to to one of those. But um, you know, I thought from the comments that came out of the, the camp and some from some of the players at the beginning of the season, I, th- I thought we were going to flip formation way more frequently than we did. Mm. I thought we were going to be sort of like a, have a, a home fixture or, or and then a away fixture or, you know, just be a little bit more fluid in, in how we played. He, he doesn't seem... It, it, it's, there seems to be kind of like a, a, a wall up in his mind. Mm. Uh, you know, how do I want my team to play? Well, that's something that me and Matt have often picked up on sitting here and listening back to his audio is that's gone. Mm. He stopped clicking in his interviews, and if you watch his interviews, that's just I, th- I, I genuinely think he's very concerned. I don't know. I'd, I'm not entirely sure if he's feeling the pressure. I wouldn't say that. I think he's definitely concerned about the the faults that lo- currently lie with our team, and he's doing his very very best to fix them. He is indeed. Well, it's Brentford, uh, Millwall, sorry, up next. That's in two weeks. Before that, an international break. We're going to be discussing that next on the Brentford Fan Show on Lost Sport and also a golden era for Brentford in a new book coming out soon. This is the Brentford Fan Show on Lost Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, with the boys from Besotted. Robin, it is the international break, the international weekend coming up. Of course, the Premier League and the Championship don't have a game that weekend, but a few players are on international duty. Yes, this is uh, Robin, uh, Robin's roundup uncut. Uh, with um, yes, yeah, so we've got we've got a few players away on international duty, and what I think is funny is that last time uh, we had an international break, we just beaten Derby three 0 and we were sitting here thinking, oh, it's just such a shame that the international breaks come, and then we lost two 0 to Preston in a dire performance away the next game. So hope, but this time I think the, the international breaks come at quite a good time to sort of you know help maybe give the players that will be sticking around a bit of time to restructure rethink and work on the training ground uh, however um, during that international break we will be without Saeed Benrahma um, he's got another Al- rightly so got another Algeria call up uh, he's going to be facing uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo and Colombia in friendlies uh, Julian Jeanvier has got a couple of friendlies as well uh, representing Guinea against the Comoros and uh, Chile uh, Jan Zambarek uh, we're going down into sort of the youth level now but Jan Zambarek who's a very promising um, uh, young attacking midfielder that we've got uh, who's just actually signed a, a first team contract he's going to be representing uh, the Czech Republic under 19s uh, against San Marino and Azerbaijan in Euro under 19 championship qualifying and we've got um, our Danish three from the B team uh, Mads Beck Sorensen uh, Jafet Seri Larsen and Mads Roslev Rasmussen will be representing the Danish under 21s against Northern Ireland and Finland in friendlies now we've talked a lot on this radio show about Mads Beck definitely yeah Mads Beck I thought he was. I thought he had a busted knee. Uh, well, no. He's, he's according to Brentford's Instagram. He is off to to face mm-hmm. Finland and Ireland, okay. uh, Finland and Northern Ireland. But yeah, we, I just want to bring it back now because we've talked a lot about Thomas Frank and the current state of affairs and where our club's going and that kind of thing. But I do still sometimes have to pinch myself talking about the fact that we've got players going away on international duty. I'm really jealous of uh, Julian Jeanvier. They sound like two cracking games for me. Comoros, Comoros yeah. Islands, and Chile. Oh, I mean, that's just. They talk about the international break sometimes being a bit of a beast for players because of all the air miles they rack up. But when you're going to destinations like that, you take it. That's just incredible. I'm, I, I'm up for that. And obviously, is that your next holiday, Laney? <laughs> well, don't fancy Democrat, Democratic Republic of Congo or Colombia, probably. What about Northern Ireland? Pop over to Belfast. Yep, enjoy the beers. Yeah, I'm up for a bit of that. <laughs> yep. Check out the borders. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, of course, there isn't a game next week, and I'm sure we'll be recapping some of the action that those guys have been in. But over to Laney now 
there is a new book, The Golden Era of Brentford, The Harry Curtis Years. Dave, you've helped put this book together. Yep, it's it's something that I've I've wanted to produce for for years now. I was fortunate to uh, to have written and produced jointly the the official 125 year book for Brentford and the Griffin Park book, which is still available in the club shop. Um, and Harry Curtis was a was a central figure. He, he he was the secretary manager or the manager of our football club between 1926 and 1949. He was there 23 years, and under his leadership we were transformed as a club we went from the third tier you know the third division south to the very very top of english football we we topped the first division the premier league um as it as it was to become so brentford became just a small club in in london and we were we were headline news um harry harry took his team all the way around Europe we played in Germany um, before the war he took us out to Portugal to play Benfica and sport in Lisbon Brentford were invited as one of the most progressive teams in 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 Britain um, we were we played up at Celtic we were invited to play against Rangers we were we were big news and also our football club uh, rebuilt Griffin Park while he was in charge so we went from um, quite a tin pot little ground um, flower pot shed kind of side that was brought from a cricket ground to you know a a stadium that could fit almost 50,000 in Um, and there was talk some of the some of the cuttings and some of the photographs we've unveiled during the research there was talk about increasing the capacity of Griffin Park to 70,000 wow they were going to put double deckers all the way around it and they were they were seriously thinking of doing that and the reason they didn't they wanted a, a more structured approach they, they said we all we let's let's go let's get the capacity up to what we need and then we could add to that in the future and in the same way that we we look to recruit and um, sell on our best players, we were doing that then as well. There's, there's there's a lot of synergy between how our club was run and transformed in that 1920s, 1930s, to to how to how we're being kind of prepared for better things now. And I say I say under Matthew Benham, this is probably the second um, renaissance of of our football club. We've happened. It's happened once before. And this, we're probably in a much better position than we've ever have been. You know, moving into the new stadium, the club is is getting on that footing where we kind of can start to replicate some of the achievements. You know, it's, it's 90 years ago this season where Brentford won every single home game in a season that's never been repeated. No, it's not a feat that's never been achieved. Since, um, no. Harry Curtis was was in charge of that, and that team then went on to then, you know, that was then. Um, a team that then challenged and then won promotion. Only one team went up, remember back then, mm. and they they clinched the championship to the top tier. And some of the some of the words and some of the photographs and the memories of that day, um, it just puts the puts the hairs on your arms and the back of your neck up because mm. it's clear that the players and the fans of of Brentford back then, the club meant every bit as much to them as it does to the fans of today and you know there's a lot of lot of fans that aren't necessarily interested in history but Harry Curtis was someone that, without whom our club probably would have died. Um, you know, he, he kept us he kept us alive during the war when the club pretty much folded, um, and it, it was 
people like him that we owe so much to looking back and the players that served under him so um, another proud thing um, apart from putting the book together was being able to relink the Curtis family back with the club and Harry's granddaughter and the great niece they came to the um, uh, which game was it a couple of weeks the Stoke game, Stoke game yeah. a couple of weeks back and could again, have been a better game unfortunately. yeah but you know again <laughs> the they, yeah. they, I spoke to them afterwards and they were just like really emotional about how you know the legacy of their 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 granddad on the you know the, the great uncle was was being kind of celebrated still um and we've at the moment um if you go on to um www.legendspublishing.net forward slash brentford um or the links that are on the besotted twitter you can pre-order the book and have your name or the name of a, a relative you know present or past um encapsulated in the book there's a Brentford fan role of honour which you know they've been successful with the previous publications so if you if you've got a, you know a, 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 an old Brentford fan from from you know whether it's your granddad or your great granddad um, let him let him be remembered in the book as well and um, you know it's something I'm extremely proud to have been putting together. Fantastic I mean I'm sure it would make a great read interestingly the family themselves so had they almost lost contact with the club is that what had happened yeah i mean you know harry's reunited harry's you know been dead for you know he died in 1966 so there's a there's a lot of years that Mm. that have have, you know passed between then and now um so so you know relationships kind of you know if it's if it wasn't for one one of the relatives sort of keeping coming things kind of drift but um he's his great niece i i sat down with her and flicked through the the proofs of the book with her and she was just just fascinated mm. um you know again just very emotional to kind of see that she you know well, she doesn't look like a great granddad but <laughs> you could tell there's a family resemblance there and you know it was uh, something that she'd be able to then give to her her son um and and, like, and say you know this is this was you know your your great great granddad was was has achieved something that you know no one else in Brentford's history ever think- has I think that's genuinely brilliant. I think uh, a phrase that's always stuck with me is, um, which I think I apply to try and apply to every, anything that I do in life is, uh, remember why you started. With any, when everything, every, everything you're doing, remember why you started doing it. And it's that kind of you, you heart back to. I, whenever I'm having a bad day, like the Nottingham Forest away game, I always remember why I keep going to Brentford and why I keep, you know, paying the train tickets and paying the fares and paying, you know, the for the burgers and the beers at half time is because of that love and that family feel and that what this Harry Curtis uh, golden era of Brentford um, really does sort of help cement and is that sort of passing on of generations from generation to generation. Brentford Football Club lives on not necessarily in the ground or in the players but in the people. Yeah, certainly reminds you why you love your football club. Dave, just before we go, where can they find it? If you go on to www.legendspublishing.net forward slash Brentford or check out the links on the Besotted Twitter and Facebook pages, there'll be a direct link. Lovely stuff. And Robin, before we go, some quick plugs. Um, yeah, so uh, Besotted Podcast will be live on Thursday at 7am. Um, Possibly. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anything to talk about. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, check out prideofwest.london and review and like podca- our podcast on iTunes, Spotify and all other platforms. Lovely stuff. This has been the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. Thank you, gents. Thank you very Pleasure. much for Thank having you us. Very much. We will see you next Monday at 8pm. UBs. See you then, UBs.
TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.